Next on BYUSN, welcome to your Monday group therapy session. BYU football loses a third straight and suffer their first home loss of the season. Head coach Kalani Sitake on the core issue and can it be fixed? We'll also discuss how BYU can get back on track with ESPN's Trevor Maddich. How the heck did the Cougars right the ship with Oklahoma bearing down? Plus, BYU men's basketball upsets number 17 San Diego State. We'll recap the thrilling win with BYU guard Dallin Hall. And women's soccer gets revenge. It advances in the NCAA tournament with a big 2-0 victory over Utah State. Send those Aggies back to Ogden. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, November 13th. I am Spencer Linton. He is unrealistic fan expectations therapist Jason Shepard. <laughs> Deep breath. Deep breath. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all about breathing today, right? Take a breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth, right? <laughs> You're here to help us all, Jason. No, we're, look, this is talking about things makes everybody feel better. Yes. And that's what we're going to do today. Yes. We're going to do that today. From Provo to Logan. <laughs> and, and all points in between. And yes, and beyond, yes. <laughs> hey, as tough as Saturday was, Friday was a Friday mood. Friday was a great Friday day. was a mood. Friday was a great day. Yes, it yes. was. Everybody won. Steve Young is in the building to watch men's basketball and BYU women's soccer. And S Steve Young was in the building, Danny Ainge, Ryan Smith, yes. and then this happened. That's why Mark Pope's so, so amped. <laughs> like... Like, take me through what this is, because he looks, you, you look terrified. <laughs> okay, so right Mark before. Mark is great. This is great. Right before the game starts, I'm, I'm preparing to do my final live hit with the pregame show, and players are getting ready to get introduced into the game. This wasn't on live TV, by the way. Like, I'm just waiting to do... Wait, so this wasn't even after no, the game? No, no. I assumed that was no, like a celebratory the after game. the game. It was before the game, um, and he kind of like jokingly bumped into me and then just like full-on stared into the camera and just said, Rebound! <laughs> and they did. <laughs> they they out-rebounded San Diego State by so, 10. So that's what he's doing. Like, he's saying the word rebound right there, looking into the camera. And, uh, hey, EVS was rolling. Our, our replay... Uh, cameras were rolling and they brought that into the live broadcast as, in the rollout of the game uh, at the very end. But that actually didn't happen on live TV, but it was brought back. Well, look, uh, his team took that type of energy to heart and came out and played one heck of a game. We, we've got, we'll get into that a little yes. bit later, certainly. We're trying to figure out how BYU can channel some of that type of energy and rediscover the winning mojo because it's gone. I, I'm thinking of the song, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, okay? Do we need Tom Cruise to come in here and serenade the football team so they can rediscover it? Is Let's that, discuss. Is that possible? <laughs> is he willing to do that? <laughs> he can do just about anything. We need Maverick in here. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Not a good outcome. I'm definitely disappointed in, in the performance because everybody's got to do the 111. We can handle tough times in adversity. That's part of life. Right now, we've got bits and pieces and moments. We need to be a lot more consistent across the board in our execution. Everyone's just distraught, but uh, we can't sulk for too long. We gotta get back to work Monday. Real talk from Coach Satake and some of his players. And yes, Jason, they've lost that winning feeling. The Cougars need it back. 
how do they get it back after losing to Iowa State 45 to 13? You know what? We're going to let Coach Satake explain what's going on, and then we'll react again to every little tidbit or the most important tidbits that he brought up himself in the postgame because I thought they were very telling comments. And he was very real and obviously distraught and frustrated and a little despondent. But let's so let's roll out a number of key sound bites from Coach Satake, beginning with why the defense has struggled so much during this current three-game losing streak. That's a good question. I don't have all the answers to that. I probably have a better answer for you on Monday if you're watching the film. But my first um, response to that is probably guys not not believing in 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 the system and not believing in what we were doing. Oh, we've, I've been around this scheme for a long time, most of my career. And the way it works is everybody's got to do the 111th. And so when your opportunity comes, you've got to find a way to make plays. And that's, uh, but, but we're responsible for that. Me as a head coach, all the coaches on defense, Jay Hill and the rest of them, find, we have to find ways to get our guys to, to do their part. And, and everybody's got to do their part, starting from me. Jason, what do you make of the comments from Coach Satake, specifically him saying it, it seems like guys are not believing in what we're trying to do, and then he says ultimately comes back to me and the coaches in getting those guys to the right mindset so that there is buy-in there. What do you make of all of that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, he obviously is privy to things that we are not. I mean, he's around these guys. He's, he's the head coach. So, I mean, you have to take him at his word if that's what he feels is going on. Like, the defensive side of the football has probably been the, the most head-scratching part of the last three weeks because just how well the defense has played overall this season. And I, I just think it ultimately comes back to just the, the injuries on defense are just finally catching up to it. They, they, have, they have played so well this year despite the injuries, but throughout the course of a year, if you're constantly – Having, having to go to second and third string and guys that, that aren't necessarily getting the reps, I mean, sooner or later it catches up to you, and I just wonder how much of that is what we're seeing on the defensive side because overall, I don't think anybody can complain about what we've seen with what Jay Hill and, and the defensive coaches have done on that side of the ball. It, sure. They have played overall from the beginning of the season, they have played really, really well, and I think just the injuries now are just finally catching up to them. We're 10 games into the season. If the buy-in is not happening now, what can BYU do to try and rectify that is my number one question. My follow-up question there to that comment, if I could go back to that moment in time, I would ask, okay, coach, you feel like guys are not believing in or buying into what you're trying to do. How do you rectify that? That is the challenge that Coach Satake and staff face this week because – after losing that way at home, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think everybody across BYU Nation and all BYU fans kind of believe that it's going to be okay because yeah. now BYU is home. It's a night game. We're going to fix some things. We're going to have that energy. And then to have that happen, I think that's why it was so discouraging. I went into that game feeling so confident. I was, I, I had in my head, this was, this was a win. Like, I was that confident. In fact, we were talking about this in the, in the broadcast booth, in the radio booth. We all said before this game, I'm feeling really good about this. Interesting. Like, this is, like, so, so this outcome was very surprising because I, I had a lot of confidence going into this game that this was going to be win number six. This was going to be the game that made BYU Bowl eligible. 
And, and then unfortunately, the air got sucked out of the building uh, with the first offensive play, you get the interception, and all of that enthusiasm and all that excitement just kind of went away. It went off the rails quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was, it was a very surprising outcome to me because I came in with the utmost confidence that BYU was getting win six in that game. It was 10 to nothing, what, two and a half minutes into the game? Yes, yes. And to BYU's credit, they have their best drive of the game after the two early turnovers, mm-hmm. and make it 10-7. I thought, they had, I thought they had completely righted, is that how you say it, yeah. righted the ship? But the explosive plays from Iowa State, yeah. the defense just did not have an answer. And certainly, it, it doesn't take a, you know, a brain surgeon to figure out the difference between what BYU is doing right and wins this season compared to what's going wrong in losses. And I think it starts and ends with turnovers. And Coach Satake... Echoed as much in his post-game comments. Take care of the football. Good ball security. Um, if individuals can't do that, then they can't play football here. So it, just being careless with the football does not work here. There's a stat that tells you who the worst teams are in the country in terms of starting a game. But BYU has to be at the top of the list. And you can call it bad luck. You can call it... Uh, just a significant lack of execution. You can blame it on whatever you want, Jason, but think about all of the tough starts that BYU has had this yeah. season. Even at Arkansas. 14 nothing In the first five minutes, you're down two touchdowns. And to their credit, they overcame it yeah. and found a way. At Kansas, yes. you blink and you're down two scores. BYU did it against TCU. They've now done it against West Virginia. And it's happened against Iowa State. Like, it is crazy. So there's no specific stat that's like, oh, yeah, these teams are the worst starting teams in the country. But clearly with turnovers and those terminal turnovers Mm -hmm. in the first quarter, BYU's been fighting an uphill battle. If BYU could just avoid the interception that Jake Retzloff throws in the first pass of the game, how different would the game be? Yeah, there's, there's obviously no way of knowing it, but you go in assuming, well, of course it would be different. Now, that doesn't guarantee that BYU wins the game, but when you start the game, the first two minutes, with a fumble that you ultimately get back, and then your first pass is intercepted, they go score. On the following kickoff, you fumble again, and you lose that fumble. They get... Luckily, they didn't get a touchdown there, so you're only down 10 nothing. When you start games like that, you're, you're already so far behind. But like I said, BYU then had a great drive, and it was led by some fantastic uh, rushing, both from the running backs, from Aiden Robbins, and from Jake Retzloff. You score a touchdown, you're down 10-7. At that point, I kind of felt like, Wow. And BYU they overcame stop. that really bad. Jason, BYU got to yes. stop the next yeah. series. They got yeah. the ball back down 10 seconds. Look, not every tur- all turnovers are bad, but the there can be different levels of bad turnovers. It's yeah. when they happen, the scenario that's going on, turnovers early in the game really really bad. Turnovers when you have a chance to score are really bad. So, all turnovers, you want to eliminate all turnovers, but certainly turnovers in certain instances yeah. way more heavily than others. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to show you some numbers here that are just absolutely wild. Comparing certain categories and certain stats in BYU's wins this season compared to the losses. Look, look at this. So in the five wins that BYU has this season, 
and I know it includes Southern Utah, whatever, 31 points a game. And in the losses, BYU is averaging under 13 points a game, putting up 12.8 in the five losses. BYU is only giving up 17.6 in the five games they've won. They're giving up almost 40 in the games they've lost. The weird part is total offense is like the same, Jason. Look at that. In the five wins and five losses, it's a wash. Right. But the turnover margin has to be the number one thing here. In BYU's five wins, plus 12. In the five losses, minus eight. Again, not, not rocket science here. You don't need a brain surgeon. Take care of the ball. People are like, Spencer, can BYU write this thing? Can they, they have any shot against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? BYU's a 24-point underdog against Oklahoma. Like, more than likely, they're going to lose that game and go to 5-6 and six and need to beat Oklahoma State in the final game to get bowl eligible. But do they have a shot? Yes. It is as simple as winning the turnover battle. This team has shown us, Jason, that they have to win the turnover margin to have any shot to win a game. Well, isn't, I will start right that It's that simple. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, how the turnover conversation for the first half of the year, the turnover conversation with BYU is how good the defense is at causing turnovers, that BYU is one of the best teams at forcing turnovers, and over the last bit, it's flipped. Yes. It's gone from being one of the best to now being the team that is turning the ball Not over. Not surprisingly, BYU has lost the turnover margin yep. in a significant way in the last three losses. Yep. It just It is that simple. You can control that, right? You can be very, very conscientious of ball security, fumbles, interceptions. That's the one thing that BYU can fix, I believe. Yeah. You can fix that, whether it's being more conservative or just being more conscientious of it. They can fix that. As for the other stuff, injuries, defense, depleted depth, it's, that's tough. But you can take better care of the football. Yeah. They know that. And, and, they, and they have to. And, and Kalani said as much. They have to find a way to protect the football. Sure. They cannot give the other team extra opportunities to put points on the board. 100%. And a tough start for Jake Kretzloff. Overall, did some nice things, as you pointed out, Jason, with his feet. I mean, he certainly can run. Yeah, He's I love athlete. his skill set. I love it. A little sidearm gunslinger. Yeah. A nice slant at the end zone. Some, some good stuff. Kalani Satake speaking on Jake Kretzloff's overall performance right now. Well, he turned the ball over. Um... And so, you know, it, it's not like the, the – I think he ran hard, you know, but um, I, I don't know. I have to watch it. It's like it, it, it wasn't good enough to score points. I mean, you can't win games scoring only 13 points. All right, a couple of questions to think about as we push through this week, and we'll probably discuss all of them. In fact, I know we will on the show because there's a lot on the top of mind. And that is, what do you do at the quarterback position against Oklahoma? Jake Retzloff has had two opportunities. West Virginia a little got out of control a little bit, and I, I don't really put West Virginia on Jake Retzloff. I, he didn't turn the ball over. That, that one has way bigger just team issue. This game, if you could eliminate that turnover early in the game, Jason, maybe we're having a different conversation. It doesn't feel like it would be 45-13. to 13. When you're fighting an uphill battle and your quarterback turns the ball over in first class, that's tough. Yeah. So you've seen it for two games. Is it? Is it now time to go back to Keaton Slovis well, the, the, to give you the best chance to beat Oklahoma? The biggest question there, and even if Slovis, Slovis is in the equation, is is he healthy enough to play? That, that's going to be the number one question. It may not even be a, a conversation that, that is had. Because and to me, he yeah. is. Okay. Because he dressed, and yep. I was told before the game, Keaton is available. Okay. He is available. 
So if he's got another week and he can heal that shoulder, elbow up, whatever it is, they haven't talked about the specifics of it, but if he was available and dressed on Saturday night, to me, it's a no-brainer. Like, he could push the ball down the field. Right. Okay? So we can talk about that at length, but it feels like senior day, Keaton Slovis is senior day, if he's healthy enough, and he's 5-2. and two. He was the guy that got you to 5-2. and two. Yep. However they got there, he got you to 5-2. and two. It feels like now it's time to give him another shot. Well, and certainly that will be one of the questions uh, that everybody will be asking when there's media availability this week. Um, I, I know it, it, it will, we'll see. I know today uh, you have coordinator's corner. Um, Greg Rubel will be talking with, yes. with A-Rod and Jay Hill. Um, so I'm sure that's something that will come up, and maybe we'll have a little bit more clarification on the way that the coaches are thinking about that heading into this Oklahoma game. Are you with me? Take care of the ball. Take care of the ball. Take care of the ball. Just, just don't hurt yourself. If, if, if teams get beat because the other team is just better and you had your best against their best, you can live with that. Turning the ball over, that, it, coaches hate that. They absolutely yeah. hate giving the opposition extra opportunities when it didn't need to be that way. All right, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Saturday, not so great. Mm. Friday, however, yeah. was fantastic. Yes. Friday was a great day. And, yes, it was just the second game of the season, but BYU basketball shined brightly on Friday night, taking down number 17 San Diego State. It was a very impressive early season win. What were your biggest takeaways from that fun game on Friday night at the Marriott Center? The way that BYU competed on the glass. Mark Pope clamoring for his team to rebound! In that shot we showed you at the top of the show. And they did. They won the rebounding margin by, by 10, 10, 10 against a team that prides itself yes. on just crashing and owning the glass and being physical. BYU, and this is coach speak here, out physicaled San Diego State. Yeah. That was the number one takeaway for me. They won the, the battle on the offensive glass. They got so many more opportunities because of that and then won the overall rebounding battle. It felt like BYU's physicality surpassed even yeah. San Diego State. I, I agree with you. The, the way BYU was able to match the physicality and in some instances be more physical than a team like San Diego State was uber impressive. The rebounding number... Talking with Coach Pope in postgame, he brought that up immediately. He's like, we went into this talking about rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. And to out-rebound them by 10, yeah, 10 is such a big accomplishment. The other thing is, remember, San Diego State scored the first seven points of this game. And Spencer Johnson, my guy. Spencer Johnson with two big threes brought BYU back in. And then it was sort of a game of runs in that first half. Yeah. BYU went on a run, and then San Diego State would answer, and BYU matched punch for punch, obviously not literally, but punch for punch, everything San Diego State could bring, BYU answered. What a big, big win for the Cougars. And getting that win and starting the season 2-0, this team could get on a nice little roll here yeah. in November and December. Can we just go ahead and tip the cap to Dallin Hall and, and call him what he is, which is just a guy that is not afraid to take the massively important shot and make it more often than not. 18 points in 25 minutes. He looked healthy. We weren't, and that sure, was he was gonna, we weren't sure he was going to play. Yes, what a bright spot. Hey, he's going to join the show coming up a little bit later. Yes, you're going to talk about that, yes, his yes, health indeed. status and the big shots that he hit. But how many how many games does that guy have to win or big shots does he have to hit early in his career before we're like, okay, you're, you're the dude at the end of the yeah. game. You're the guy. Yeah. He's the guy at the end of the game right now. He was fantastic. Woo. Mailbag. And, and him coming off the bench – 
really boosted those bench those bench numbers because BYU bench far out uh, outscored San Diego State's bench. Yeah, I just love how real he is too. When I asked him after the game, like to kind of sum up everything, he said that was a frustrating game for me. I turned the ball over too many times. He's not thinking about the big shots. Yeah, no. He's like, ah, my team had to like lift me and. Down's a real one, man. Yep. He's a real one. He's the dude for BYU, at least right now, at the end of the game. You want the ball in his hands. Mailbag Monday. And opinions and feelings and emotions are going to be all over the place with this. As we look back at football and how quickly that went off the rails and, frankly, just how bad overall it was. I mean, let's be real. It was bad. Basketball, very much the opposite. Women's soccer, the opposite. Everything else was good. Okay. You ask the questions, we answer them on the show. I'm guessing the majority is going to be about football because that's the thing that we most recently saw. At Coulter Gill on X says, what is the easiest thing that can be fixed in the next two games for BYU football? We answered the question. Yeah, it's turnovers. Ball security. Yep. yep. If BYU has any prayer of winning the final two games, one of the final two games, it is ball security. They have to win the turnover margin. It probably has to be like by two because that's what they did to win the first five games. Yep. It's got to be significant. At okay. the very least, just zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. Be- just, just no turnovers that, would be great. That is the way. Yep. Okay? That is the way, Mando. This is the way. I was going to say, thank you, Grogu. This is... <laughs> All right. Join Greg Rubel today for Coordinator's Corner. He'll be joined by Jay Hill and Aaron Roderick at 2 Eastern time on both the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Still on the way, another edition of Maddich Monday. But before we go to break, we do need to mention this. Uh, beloved apostle and acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, M. Russell Ballard, passed away at the age of 95 last night. President Ballard became an apostle on October 6, 1985, was later announced as acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in January of 2018. Officials of the church said President Ballard died at 11.15 p.m., surrounded by his loved ones. We send our thoughts and prayers to the Ballard family at this time and will remember President Ballard for his lifelong dedicated service to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and all of its members. Kingston will throw out of it. He's got Rex. He's got the touchdown! So we've got to find ways to toughen up and find ways to get better. I'm I'm excited about learning from the adversity and uh, let's see if we can get this done by next week. Adversity, there is plenty of. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the always formidable Jason Shepard. Joining us now for another loaded edition of Maddich Monday on BYUSN is ESPN's Trevor Maddich, college football insider, analyst, and a guy who's been with us for a long time. Trevor, welcome back to the show. Let's go ahead and start with Kalani Satake's comments about his defense specifically and him saying in a very telling way, it feels like they're not buying in to what we're trying to do. What do you make of those comments as we begin a very, very intriguing conversation here on the show? First of all, I think that Coach Satake is doing what a leader needs to do. He's taking responsibility for things that really aren't his fault. He is out in front being accountable and showing that example for others who need to be a whole lot more accountable than they've been, in my opinion. From a standpoint of those specific comments about the defense. I, I When I heard them, I thought it was that he was talking to his defensive leadership and offensive leadership, that the leaders need to be more proactive, that the leaders need to be stronger. Because I, I, don't, I didn't see 
on the field that the defense seemed like they didn't care. I thought that the defense just was running out of people from a standpoint of injuries. But what happens a lot of times when you get into that situation, the guys that are there, the the the, the leaders on defense will try to do too much. And they'll end up doing their job and try to do somebody else's job at the same time, which tends to open the gate. And that can end to some lead to grumbling sometimes. These are all things that leadership in the locker room need to make sure doesn't happen before it ever gets to the level of the position coach, much less, much less the head coach. And that, that's the impression I got when he said those things. The, the thing about Coach Satake, though, is I, I would play for him any day of the week. I think he has a chance, if he wants to be, to be here for decades and impact generations of BYU football players. He's that kind of coach. He's that kind of man. And I think there are things that have kind of come to the surface that need to improve in the program that have been exposed by this crucible of the first year in the Big 12 that he'll need to take care of. But I, I think he is the man to take care of those things. So now what he's doing is he's setting an example, a tone of accountability for everyone. And if anybody doesn't like it, they can either toughen up or they can pack their bags. Trevor, let's focus on the game itself. What were your takeaways from the game on Saturday? Well, that that they kind of ran out of people. You know, the, the defense didn't have much of a chance. There, there was so much attrition on the defensive line that you had backups in the rotation that were now the starters. And they're, they're okay. The problem then is that you had guys that weren't supposed to see a lot of playing time be key backups in the rotation, the new rotation. And so that ends up getting worn down, and that's a real problem. You've got uh, attrition with injuries in the linebacker. The safeties have been epically injured uh, as, a, as a room, as a group, since before the season even started. And I think it, it has come back to really haunt the team over the last few weeks. And you could see that they were desperately trying to do something, anything, to stem the tide. But they just didn't have enough people in depth to be able to get it done. Offensively, boy, they ran the ball better, didn't they? Yeah. And this is against one of the best defenses in the Big 12. And, and they did. You could see the offensive line. They would bear down. They would, they would fight. The running backs ran hard. There were still too many zero to negative running plays. But at the same time, you saw a lot of improvement. I mean, 188 yards. Part of that, too, is you have a quarterback who can run, and that tends to stretch the defense a little bit, and that helps. But you saw the improvement there. Uh, the offensive problem is that from a combination of young quarterback and, and injuries in the receiving core, frankly, you weren't able to get the passing game to work. And so – and then – yeah, you weren't able to get the passing game to work. And so the combination of injuries on defense, injuries on offense, and the running game working but the passing game not meant that there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to, to do a whole lot more than whatever happened in that game. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I think a lot of BYU fans and personnel, for that matter, are trying to figure out what changed after BYU went to 5-2? and two. They had just beaten Texas Tech, and they're thinking, hey, one more, we're bowl eligible, maybe seven wins is on the table. What happened from that point to where over the last three weeks, these games haven't even been competitive by halftime, Trevor? Now, and that's the most discouraging thing for the team. It's, it's been largely over at halftime in the last three games. So what shifted from 5-2 and two after beating Texas Tech to where BYU sits now scratching their heads? 
I think it's that combination of guys trying to do too much combined with guys that were trying to do uh, that, that did too little, right? You put that together. It's a problem. Like for example, in, in this game, right, they were outmanned by Iowa state. And I think most of that was injuries. At BYU had their full complement of starters and Iowa state, their full complement of starters. That would have been a really competitive game, but look at the way the game started, right? It started with mistakes by BYU that had nothing to do with the opponent. hundred percent. The opening kickoff, they fumble. BYU recovers it, but Iowa state punches it in. Uh, so um, I check that. I take it back. They fumble. BYU recovers it. The next play is the interception. Yeah. And that interception, Retzloff had two guys open. The, the 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 short route and then the intermediate route were both open, but he threw the ball in between those two guys under pressure, right? So that was that was just a, a physical mistake by Retzloff. So you have a fumble to start the game. Then you have an interception on the first play. Then on the ensuing kickoff after Iowa State punched that interception in for a touchdown, they uh, fumble that kickoff, right? And so that's three plays where they, the first three times they touched the ball, they either fumbled it or threw an interception. Brutal. Neither one of those were really caused by the defense, right? You might say the interception was because of the pressure, but it wasn't enough pressure for that ball to be where it was. So these are unforced errors from guys that I think are trying to do too much. Go back to the Kansas game. The very first run of the game was the uh, young receiver, freshman receiver on an end around, and he didn't protect himself or the ball. He got hit hard, ball comes out, scoop and score, touchdown. Look at the first pass of the game against TCU. The uh, receiver didn't run a flat route on a crossing route. He ended up on the same level as the uh, defender. Quarterback's under pressure. He throws it out there. And instead of the receiver fighting to get back in front of the defender, he just sort of stops. And the defender is the one who's in front and catches the ball for a pick six. These are not forced by the opponent so much as they are mistakes by BYU. And that's what I come back to. Guys are either trying to do too much and therefore they're, they're not doing their job enough or they're not securing the basic fundamentals. Those two things together mm. are a perfect storm against BYU, especially in this conference, because BYU needs to win by making sure first they don't lose it. You know, the old adage, more games are lost than they are won, right? Well, BYU typically doesn't beat itself. But guys have found a way to, to do, make plays that beat themselves mm. that they then have to overcome as the game goes on. And the injuries are just too much to be able to do that. So, Trevor, with two games remaining, you obviously have Oklahoma coming here. And then you wrap up the regular season in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, which, by the way, nobody saw them losing at UCF this weekend. But for BYU, with two games left, what are realistic expectations of improvement this late in the season? Well, you have to define what improvement looks like. It, it would be uh, – it's possible to win those games against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. It would be a shock of shocks if they did because of the, the state of the roster with, with the injuries. Where improvement needs to come is stop it with the plays that hurt the team. The basic fundamentals of securing the football, yeah. the basic fundamentals of doing the what the quarterback expects you to do as a receiver, uh, those things, the basic fundamentals of tackling securely when you are in position to tackle. These are things that they need to do correctly. Now, if they do that and they force Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to defeat them rather than open the gate, then you've got a, uh, a, a situation where they have a chance 
to take advantage if those two teams uh, make some mistakes of their own. That's where you need to define success. Does BYU do things that hurt themselves or are they defeated by another team that just has better players right now and there's there's no great sin to that? Trevor, as BYU welcomes Oklahoma, and mind you, BYU is a 24-point underdog when that line opened up at home. I can't recall a time I've ever seen BYU that big of a home underdog, but I digress. I'm looking specifically at the quarterback position for the Cougars as they prepare for such a monumental challenge against Oklahoma. In your opinion, are you riding with Jake Retzloff after what you've seen in two weeks? Or if Keaton Slovis is healthy enough, do you roll your starter out there at the beginning of the season that, in, to his credit, got BYU to a 5-2 and two start back out there for senior day against the Sooners? I think that Slovis gives the team the, the best chance to win because he gives them the best chance to fully engage all of the skill people. And that's important. Nothing against Retzloff. He actually he actually did a lot of great things, especially on the ground. I mean, you take away sacks and he ran for, I think, 85 yards. And then that helps a lot of a lot of things. Slovis is not the guy to do that. But at the same time, he is the guy to be able to distribute the ball well. I mean, Retzloff completed 10 of 27 passes. That's what, 31 percent or 30. It's in the 30s. Um, and it wasn't all his fault. But at the same time, I think Slovis has gives you the best chance to win. I also don't know what Retzloff's uh, red shirt might look like, how many games he's played in. We know he's played in the last two, but before that, what's, what's the situation? So, so I, I don't know exactly what that means. I do know that, that Slovis has been a magnificent leader and I think he has made things happen that probably shouldn't have happened in a positive way for BYU because of that leadership and because of his physical uh, courage. And so I, I would pick him if, if it were, up to me and it was those two now i would be ready with retzloff to go in because the problem is that you've got an oklahoma defense coming up that uh, that can get after the passer they're very aggressive and one of the things you can say for retzloff is that when the offensive line gets leaky at least he can run around and make some things happen anyway better than slovis can do either way slovis i think can get the ball out of his hand quicker and make more things happen Trevor, it's always great to talk with you we appreciate this segment every week Maddich monday is a fan favorite for sure and Hey, fingers crossed for something good to happen on Senior Day. We'll roll out there and see what happens. You know what? It, it can. It can. And just, I want to say this to the fans. Give this team a little bit of grace because they have had a lot of injuries. And they've been trying to overcome those injuries and, and things have not turned out they wanted the way they wanted to. But they, they deserve some grace from the fans at this point because they're out there still fighting and it hurts them more than it hurts any fan to see how this season has progressed. Well said, Trevor. Thanks again for the time. Thanks, Trevor. Right. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich, such a huge part of our show every Monday during football season. And I've always appreciated how fair he is to the situation. It just is. It's a tough scenario yeah. all around. Um, but BYU still has, after all of that, an opportunity to try and get something moving in the right direction. You have goals. Something. You had goals at the beginning of the season that are still attainable. Can they They're still out there. They channel what UCF did against Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Nobody. All right, after further review, we'll recap Iowa State and preview Oklahoma tomorrow night at 5 Eastern, excuse me, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain. 
on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Hey, in case you forgot, it was actually a pretty good weekend for BYU athletics overall. Football aside, we'll tackle that, no pun intended, in the headlines and a loaded cougar whip around after this. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. It is group therapy on a Monday. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jason Shepard. Let's roll out today's headlines. BYU football dropped its third straight game, losing 45-13 to Iowa State on Saturday night. BYU falls to 5-5 overall and 2-5 in Big 12 play. Up next for the Cougars is number 17, Oklahoma, coming to Provo with a noon Eastern time kickoff on ESPN. Pre-game coverage will begin at 10 a.m. Eastern on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. On to Cougars in the NFL part one, led up by Zach Wilson, who went 23 of 39 for 263 yards passing and an interception. He ran for 54 yards as well, but the New York Jets fall 16 to 12 against the Raiders on Sunday night football. Fred Warner on the San Francisco 49ers defense was awesome. Seven tackles, he had a pass breakup and an interception in the 49ers 34-3 win against the Jaguars. Taysom Hill only had one carry for six yards, two catches for 17 yards, and not surprisingly, the Saints lost 27-19 to Jaron Hall and Kyrus Tonga's Vikings. Remember, they're 17-1 when he has six or more carries? Yep. Why are you not beating Taysom the ball? It seems to make sense. Jamal Williams had seven rushing yards and three receiving yards for New Orleans in that loss. Tyler Algier had nine carries for 31 yards and one catch for seven yards in a Falcons 25-23 loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Kyle Van Oy had three tackles for the Ravens and Sione Takitaki had three tackles for the Browns in a Cleveland win over Baltimore. Zane Anderson had a tackle for the Packers Boy, as Zane. Green Bay lost to the Steelers. And Michael Davis left the Chargers 41-38 loss to the Lions early in the first half due to an illness. BYU men's basketball upset 17th ranked San Diego State 74-65 in a raucous Marriott Center on Friday night behind 16 second half points from big shot Dallin Hall who will join us later in the show including this step back three with ice in his veins. Picks up, sees 12 on the shot clock. Steps back for three. Oh my. Dallin Hall, 18 points, none bigger than those three. Finished with those 18, Jackson Robinson, Foose Traore, and Richie Saunders each scored 12 for the Cougars. BYU's bench outscored the Aztec bench 42 to nine. Look at that. Out-rebounded by 10. Up next for BYU Southeastern Louisiana at home this Wednesday night. Number one seed BYU women's soccer beat Utah State 2-0 on Friday night to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Kendall Peterson opened the scoring for the Cougars before Olivia Wade Katoa put the game away with a goal in the 73rd minute. BYU will host number eight seeded UC, USC excuse me, in the second round of the NCAA tournament on Thursday, November 16th. 12th ranked BYU women's volleyball beats UCF in three sets for a second straight night on Friday night to move to 22-5 on the season, 11-4 in Big 12 play. Aaron Livingston leading the Cougars with 17 kills. It's a huge number in three sets. Up next for the Cougars, senior night against 14th ranked Kansas this Friday. Huge one at the Smithfield House. Women's basketball beat Weber State 77-49 in dominant fashion on Friday morning. Lauren Gustin's 24-point, 12-rebound effort helped lead the Cougars 
Freshman Kaylee Woolston, who is phenomenal, scored 16 points and made a team high three three pointers en route to the win. Up next, a home game against Utah Valley tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time on both BYU Radio and ESPN+. Third-ranked men's and women's cross-country both advancing to the NCAA Nationals after both teams finished second place at NCAA Regionals. Nationals take place this Saturday in Earliesville, Virginia. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff against Oklahoma. Your thoughts? I uh, can't wait to eat a very early breakfast <laughs> and sleep maybe like four hours a night before and yeah. get up at 5 a.m. and go to work, man. Only, there's only, I can only recall one other time that you had a 10 a.m. kick, 2004 against New Mexico late in the season. They had a 10 a.m. kick in the Mountain West Conference. The first, the, the first thing that came to my mind is I will be in Hawaii with women's basketball. That's a 7 a.m. Hawaii time kick. So here we go. Here we go. Watch the sunrise, Jason. <laughs> yes. And then watch kickoff between BYU and Oklahoma. Let's do it. Check out BYU football with Kalani Satake tomorrow night at 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app and on ESPN+. BYU point guard Dallin Hall in Studio B going one-on-one -on -one with Jason Shepard to discuss how BYU beat San Diego State and the big shot late. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. You can just feel the energy and that carries onto the court so quickly. It's electric. Driving lane, Richie Saunders scores it. Right to the rim, scoop and score. Nicely done. Hall stops. Need this Pops one. For three. It's Hall. Hall, a three-point oh. shot. He made it. We got big plans, and this is just the beginning for us. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station, live from Studio B. Earlier today, Jason Shepard going one-on-one -on -one with Dallin Hall across the way in the Cougar Council Room. Dallin, uh, thanks for coming in uh, this morning, uh, especially after a big win. It's always fun to talk about wins, right? Yes, indeed. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. I want to start out by, uh, and I, we have to apologize to our BYU radio fans or maybe anybody listening on the podcast because you're not going to be able to see this uh, glorious picture. But uh, I, I want to ask you about this picture uh, from the game against San Diego State. Uh, first and foremost, do you remember this happening? Because based off of how your head is hitting the floor, I'm not sure that you, you will. Uh, but take us through what that felt like. Yeah. Um... Not great. <laughs> um, I do remember it. I kind of remember him like pushing me up on my neck, and I was a little frustrated, upset with him after that. Um, obviously, one of my more photogenic moments, but <laughs> no. Do you, need to, do you need us to get that blown up and like you can turn that into a poster? Yeah, might just keep that one to myself, honestly, <laughs> if we can keep that under wraps. There we go. There, there we go. Well, like first and foremost, congratulations on the win. What a big, big win knocking off number 17, um, San Diego State. When you look back on Friday night, what was the biggest factor in, uh, in getting that victory? Uh, I think it was our defensive toughness and just toughness in general. That was a huge key for us going in against San Diego State. They're a really tough team, physical. And so we knew we had to not only match it, but be the tougher team. And I felt like for 40 minutes we were. And so we had dudes like Foose battling all night, Richie Saunders. Um, I could go down the list, but guys that just really embodied that toughness. 
and helped lead us defensively. And so we, we came out with the victory because of that. There's always the game within the game and the matchup that was so much fun to watch. You mentioned Foose. Foose and Jaden Ledeed back and forth and back and forth. Those guys were, you know, down low. Both of those guys were doing work. That was a really fun game, uh, a fun matchup to watch all night long. Yeah, I know uh, Foose, he'd been looking forward to that one for a minute because last year Ledee gave us some problems. This year, obviously, he got his points, but I thought Foose really uh, handled his business, and he, uh, he showed why he's one of the best big men in the country. He was awesome for us. One of the other bright spots, not just what you did in terms of the, the 18 points and the, and the clutch shooting there in the second half, but was the fact that you played 25 minutes. You played 14 in, in the opening uh, game uh, of the season. You go 25. How, how good did it feel to be out there and, and playing well and feeling healthy? It felt incredible. Um, you know, I'm super grateful for our training staff. Um, Rob Ramos, Wiz, you know, helping me get my body right. Super grateful to God um, for allowing me that opportunity and helping me to, to heal up. And it was a frustrating process to get back. Um, it made me think about like Trevin Nell last year, you know, set out the full season. Appreciate him a lot because the kind of teammate he was for us last year and the kind of teammate he is today, like that dude is one of the most mentally tough people I know to go through that and be that kind of teammate. And so I'm just super, I have a lot of gratitude in my heart to, to my Heavenly Father and to my training staff and for everyone that helped me get back. What can a win like that do for you? Not, not just you, but the team. I know it's only game two, so it's early, but uh, you get an early win like that. Is that something that you look uh, not just to build off of, but maybe can catapult you guys to, to you know, really get on a roll here? Yeah, I think it's a great uh, stepping stone for us. I feel like maybe a springboard even. Um, it gave us a good idea of where we're at, which um, we hadn't had yet. Great test for us. I feel as far as our confidence, that doesn't really change because, um, you know, we've only listened to what our guys in our locker room have said all, all summer, all year. And we felt like we were capable of winning that game and we showed that. And so we're just going to continue to believe in each other and, and continue to strive to accomplish our goals. What does it say about you guys? Because, and Coach Pope was mentioned this after the game, you guys still even aren't at full strength. You, you mean, Dawson still hasn't played to this point. And this is, you're still coming back, and other guys are coming back. And so the fact that you guys aren't even full strength and had a performance like that, you know, that's, that probably says a lot about not just what you are, but what you can be as well when you are 100%. Exactly. No, it's, it's honestly exciting. It gets me, gets me pumped to think about what we can do. Um, obviously we want to be present, take it one game at a time, like we were talking about earlier. Um, but yeah, we have some dudes like Dawson, uh, myself just getting back and, you know, a couple things to work out from that game, like when we watched the film. And so we're nowhere near our peak, which is exciting. Um, but it's cool to get the W right now at the start of the season and hopefully we'll just keep building on it. Talking with Dallin Hall here on BYU Sports Nation. Um, you were, the, the game against San Diego State was not the first time you've hit big shots um, in a BYU uniform, that goes without saying. What is it about those moments? Because you've come up big in clutch moments. What is it about those moments that, uh, that you relish? Um, honestly, like, I, there's a couple things. I love the, the trust that my teammates and my coach have in me to take those shots. Um, 
And then, yeah, I've always just loved those moments. It's where I felt the most um, in the zone, kind of, it's hard to describe that feeling, but athletes understand it. And so, you know, when the stakes are the highest, I just love to be present in the moment and step up to the challenge and, and whatever happens, you know, I'll live with, but I'm gonna go out there and put my best foot forward. I think it was Seth Davis that, uh, that tweeted it out or X'd it out or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, over the weekend, he was talking about how big of a win it was over San Diego State. But he also mentioned, you know, Big 12 teams coming in here to the Marriott Center. It, it, it ain't going to be easy. I think it was another example of just what. All right. If you would like to see the full and remainder of that interview between Jason and Dallin, you can check out BYU Sports Nation, our YouTube page, and see it posted on X as well. Great stuff from Dallin. Big shot, He's, Dallin he's fantastic. He's, he's great. So understated for what he's done and what he means to this team. Up next, a rise and shout out to part of what was an awesome Friday. And Dallin was a big part of that. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Just to recap, Jerem's not here, but we do need to point out that I won Big 12 Roundup, Jason. Is that why Jerem's not here? I won the week two to nothing, so I lead the season now six weeks to three. Prop picks were a tie, so I maintained my lead four to two weeks in prop picks as well. Okay, mailbag Congratulations Monday. to you. Thank you, sir. Our elite meal mailbag question of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Jared Tierlink on Facebook who asks, can BYU win a sixth game? Can they do it, Jason? Yes, they can. Absolutely they can. They can Turnover. Win Turnover margin. They can win one of these next two games. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about and, the Friday? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great Friday. Men's and women's hoops, women's soccer, women's volleyball, all with wins. Men's and women's cross country advance to the Nationals. Great Friday. Yes, we're focusing our blue goggles on Friday. Yeah, right? Look into the positive. <laughs> our thanks to today's guests, Trevor Maddish and Dallin Hall. Conversation is 24-7. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Kalen Hall. Coordinator's Corner starts at 2 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs.